Tonight's message, I want to talk a little bit about uh, life in the Spirit. Uh, about a month to a month and a half ago, we knew that court wasn't going to be here and that uh, Charles and I were going to be filling in on the two Wednesdays. And I knew it takes me a while to figure out what I'm going to preach on, so I started right away and I was reading my Bible and reading my Bible and then I was reading my Bible some more and reading my Bible some more and I was still not coming up with exactly what I was going to preach about. I had read about a lot of things and I had a lot of things going through my head but nothing was really clicking and uh, <clears throat> I read back through a couple things that that uh, had been preaching about it, sort of a combination of a couple things came together. Um, Court's been preaching for a long time now in various different sermons and different places and different sermons about the fact that we can't save ourselves and it's it's not our work uh, and that Christ does the work and it's not something that we decide and Christ pulls himself to uh, pulls us to himself. And that he's the author and uh, finisher of our salvation. Um, and as I was reading in a couple of places in Colossians, and I was going back over some of the stuff that uh, he was talking to us about, or that I was reading in uh, Romans and in and Colossians, and I was reading about the Holy Spirit, and then I had one of these like, duh, moments. Sort of like, and it was sort of like, and it's something that I sort of knew in the back of my head, but I didn't put the two of them together until I had been reading this for a little bit. And it's that the uh, that we can't even live our lives for Christ on our own. You know, we can't save ourselves, and we can't come to Christ in our own power, but we can't live our lives for Christ without his spirit in us. So it was sort of like the two sort of came together for me. It was like, oh yeah. Um, that if the, if the spirit's not living in and through us, we cannot live for Jesus. Um, being saved in a Pentecostal Mennonite church uh, Living in the spirit has a uh, little bit different connotation than where I'm going to go tonight. And it's also one of those areas that we tended to stay away from in a good, strong Baptist church. We don't talk about the spirit a whole lot because we don't want anybody running around speaking in tongues or something. Um, and it was that area that I was glad when Court actually touched on it, the, uh, his uh, sermon uh, about the Spirit and some of the things that he teaches, uh, the new members class, and uh, the Spirit has not like a uh, third ranking down here. You know, you have God and you have Jesus and then you have the Spirit down here, you know. But that they're all just sort of 
one and they're all sort of equal and they all do different things and you know I'd always put the Holy Spirit in that little third class thing because we didn't want to get running around uh, getting too spirit filled. Um, turn in your Bibles to Romans 8, 9 through 11. Um, Romans 8, 9 through 11. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit of God that dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead, because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive, because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you, who then, brethren, are we under obligation, not to the flesh, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting death to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For you who are all being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Um, I want to go back in and dwell on the word dwells. Um, to dwell, when I see that word, it reminds me of the Japanese word to live, where you live. And I want to remind you that the Spirit of God dwells. He lives. He resides. Like you have a street address. Street address. Ours is 3168. Well, this is God's street address right here. He's to dwell in us. Um, not just sort of a surface level thing, but deeply. Also, when I think of dwell, I think of the word well. It means to go in deep. Um, deep into us that the Spirit's got to come deep into us and live and reside in us. Um, I'm going to bounce around a little bit, so keep your Bibles open. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, in the book of Acts uh, when Jesus was in his resurrection body and he was giving his uh, disciples um, and commanding them to not leave Jerusalem but to wait uh, until the Spirit came in and he was going to give them his spirit. I sort of went, you know, they spent four years or approximately thereof with Jesus. They'd heard all the stories. They'd seen all the miracles. 
why couldn't they just go out and do their work from that? Why did they need to sit there and wait for this spirit to come in and indwell them? Why couldn't they just go out and do their work? Um, let's turn over to Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. Right there in the beginning of the book. And Jesus said uh, to them, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And I want to ask you another question. It says, And you shall receive power. Power to do what? power to walk to Samaria? I don't think so. Uh, Power to open up their mouth and speak for Jesus? I think they already could do that. Um, And I want to sort of leave this thought in your head and we're going to come back to it in about two or three minutes here. I want to check some other scriptures here before I get into that because we're going to sort of tie some of these scriptures together. Uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of these scriptures sort of come back and we talk about them two or three times. Um, turn to John 4.23. Gospel of John. Um, And this is Jesus uh, speaking here. But an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So to worship Christ, you have to be worshiping in the Spirit. Now let's turn over to 2 Corinthians 3. A few pages over. 2 Corinthians 3, 3 through 6. While you're turning, I want to define a word that's in the very first sentence there. And that's the word manifested it says being manifested manifest means to show plainly to make plain so that you can understand and near the end of this scripture in verse 6 uh, it talks about but of the spirit for the letter and that letter is talking about the letter of the mosaic law it doesn't say it but that's what it's talking about so let's start up there at the beginning and three, three. Being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on, uh, ta- on the tab- tablets of our human heart. Or the tables of our human heart. I got it written wrong. 
Uh, such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit of the, or the letter, of the, uh, but of the spirit, uh, but of the spirit gives life. I think I read that a little wrong. That's a good thing you guys are reading along with me. Um, okay. First of all, that God wants to make it plain to us that he cares for us. Um, and he's writing uh, through the Spirit on our hearts. Once we, once we become Christians, he has written and continues to write on our hearts. Um, it's part of the sanctification process that courts talked about in recent months, um, the part of becoming more and more like Christ. Um, but it's the spirit that gives life. Um, okay, back to my power question. Power to do what? But the Spirit gives the power for life. And unless the Spirit lives in us, we can't live for Christ. Um, when we talk to someone about Christ in the Spirit, and, and the Spirit begins to work in their lives, um, He will draw and pull them unto the Savior, Jesus Himself. Um, and it, there's a couple of verses that I've got coming up later here that'll talk about this a little bit more. Um, next question for you is that you need to be walking in the Spirit to live for Christ. Okay? How do we do this? Um, I'm going to give some practical steps here. I don't really have them numbered off for you, but there's several things, and you're going to be familiar with all of these items. There isn't going to be anything new here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them, but I'm going to go through them relatively quickly here. Um, that One of the things is that we need to live in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Let's look in Colossians 3.1. Three, one, and two. <clears throat> and this is one of my key verses for the night. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things of the earth. Um, how do we how do we keep seeking for the spirit what does it mean to keep seeking um, as I was thinking about this verse and, and what it means I thought about the summer Olympics um and the athletes that were involved there, um, 
what were the athletes trying to do? Some of them were there just hopefully to be involved, and some of them wanted just to get a medal. But most of them were there to get the gold medal. Most of them weren't there just to be a participant. Most of them were there, they wanted to win the big prize, the gold medal. And when they did that, what did they do? Um, Lots of them spent somewhere between five and seven days a week, uh, about five to eight, ten hours a day uh, for four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen years of their life. In other words, they were dedicated. They had a goal in mind. They were putting effort towards something that they thought was worthwhile. When it says, keep seeking for the Spirit, do we put that kind of effort into are seeking after God and, and seeking for eternal rewards. Turn over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 9:24-25. This will be a familiar verse to you. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable. An imperishable what? An imperishable uh, goal to spend eternity with Christ, to know Christ better and better. Do you run the the race to win a prize? Or are you satisfied with just being on the team? Uh, Christianity has no bench warmers. Uh, It's not good enough to be on the team and to sit back and do nothing. Take a look at setting our minds. Here it said, set your mind on the things above, not on the things on the earth. Um, To set your mind on the things above and not on the things on this world. We were watching a movie the other night. Some of you may have heard it, some of you may have seen it. Uh, The movie's called Saving Sarah Kane. And I'm not going to talk about the whole movie. I really want to talk about one little aspect, and that was the the way they portrayed the uh, young Amish uh, children in the film uh, and the Amish in general. Uh, They did an excellent job, actually. It's probably one of the best portrayals of uh, Christianity I've seen in a long time because... 
other people made fun of them, but the film did not make fun of their Christianity and their belief. Um, the Amish basically live a real simple life. I think we're all familiar with that. Uh, they live, uh, they dress in very plain clothes, uh, dress modestly. Uh, their houses are very plain. You know, their their rooms, there's bedroom has a bed in it and maybe a nightstand and four walls that are painted. Uh, that incorporates a bedroom. Uh, very simple furnishings. Uh, they don't adorn themselves with jewelry. They don't try to attract attention to themselves. Um, they don't have electricity or TVs or radios. Uh, the furnishings in the house are very simple. They don't even have pictures on the walls that I remember seeing. Uh, the house is a place to be in. Uh, and as I thought about that, some people like to make fun of the Amish and say, that's really silly. Why don't they use electricity and why don't they have TVs and radios? But as you listen to the, to, the, uh, to the kids talk, they talked about spending time. That, well, one of the things that they did was this lady said, well, why don't you stick the dishes in the dishwasher? And she said, well, why would I want to do that? Because when they washed dishes, her mom would tell her stories. Um, they spent time with each other instead of time sitting in front of the television or doing things by themselves. The kids don't have any video games. Imagine that. Um, and they had a great time with each other. Uh, sometimes I think that we have so much stuff here in America that we get distracted from having time together as a family, one, but more importantly, it's, it's taken up and consuming our lives on spending time with God, uh, prayer time, reading time, everything you own eventually owns a little bit of you. Um, if what we owned were a Bible and each other, uh, it would open us up for maybe spending more time thinking about Jesus uh, and looking at him. <coughs> Now, a minute ago, I mentioned I've got some specific things that uh, I'm going to help you uh, to how we can do this, and I'm going to start on those here in just a second. Um, and like I said, I don't have them numbered off, but here we go. Um, first thing that you can do, and these are sort of listed in order of priority maybe, uh, 
maybe not. You can sort of decide. There, there's some different things here that we can all do. Um, and one of those, the first thing is to do what you're doing tonight. Attend a good Bible teaching church as often as you can get there. Listen with anticipation to the teaching to allow the Spirit to guide you to a relationship with Jesus. Um, turn to Colossians. Yeah, we were just there a second ago. I'm going to move over a couple of verses. We'll be in Colossians a couple of times if you want to stick your finger in there. And we're going to go back and forth to it. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell, here's that word again, within you, with all wisdom and teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Um, Let's turn over to Acts 2.42. And uh, that one in Colossians is basically speaking about um, things that you can do and how you can hear uh, good biblical teaching, uh, that the songs can speak to your hearts, uh, that our Sunday school lessons and sermons can all work together to work towards a relationship with Jesus. Acts 2.42. This is one that court likes to use a lot. Uh, this is one of our key verses for our church, actually. Um, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Three of those items I'll talk about a little bit here. Uh, the early church was a community built around the apostles' teaching. They met daily to hear God's word. Uh, they took the things in and they buried these words in their hearts and their lives. It changed their lives. Uh, not only want to stress uh, going to church, but I also want to stress individual Bible reading. Um, these are all ways to have access to the Spirit and the Spirit's working and touching your lives. So I wanted to remind you what our purpose is here. Uh, Reading the Bible at home, spending time, listening to the words, letting them sink into your heart. Uh, As we talked about it, or just mentioned in Acts, uh, it says they were devoting themselves. um, They were devoted to fellowship. Uh, They were devoted to one another. They were family. Uh, And this church actually, I think, does fairly well in this particular area. Um, The Bible tells us that we are to love one another and hold each other accountable for how um, we can better serve God. I want to talk about prayer, both private and corporate. Another important aspect for touching God and having the Spirit come down and speak to you. Not necessarily just little prayers about 
God, will you give me this and will you give me that and thank you for uh, helping me pass this test. But prayers that include things like um, thanking God for who he is, uh, his the aspects of God and how he can, how he touches us, um, what he's done for us, um, and dealing with the person of God. Um, ask the when we're praying, also ask for the Spirit to guide us in the things that we're doing and and reading and understanding, so that we can know them better. Another item that I'd like to, to mention fairly quickly here, and it's not something that I hear mentioned often, but it is in the Bible. Um, turn in your Bibles to Luke 5, 33 through 35. Uh, this is the Pharisees talking to Jesus here in the beginning. And they said to him, The disciples of John often fast and offer prayers. The disciples of the Pharisees also do the same, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, You cannot make the attendants of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they will fast in those days. I'm just going to read this. You don't have time to turn. Acts 13.3 And when they had fasted and prayed and they laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Um, And another verse. uh, Jesus was talking to his disciples and, and they didn't understand why Jesus could cast this demon out of them. And Jesus said, with this kind of demon, you need lots of prayer and fasting. Um, all those, just to remind you that Jesus talks about fasting. Um, he was talking about once he left that people would fast. The purpose of fasting and I'm not real sure. The Bible doesn't really say what its purpose is. Um, it mentions it quite often. Usually prayer and fasting are stuck together. Um, and I'll, I'll take some guessing here. Um, but I'm not 100% sure on this. Um, possible reasons would be that in denying yourself food, you're reminding yourself of your dependence on God. Maybe then in denying yourself, you're reminding yourself that you are a spiritually created being and not just a physical being. Maybe it's just an obedience thing. Maybe he just wants to say, this is good for you. Try it. Um, all I know is that it's biblical. Um, like with most things, these things that I just mentioned, you know, the prayer, the fasting, the Bible reading, 
there's a downside possible to this. And that's that we could uh, get a little puffed up, a little prideful and go on, oh, I'm super Christian, da-da-da-da. Uh, well, that's not the right attitude because it's not about us. And we'll, we'll see that in a little bit here. Um, when we do these things, we've got to be careful that we're not puffing ourselves up and thinking too highly of ourselves. Um, I'm going to con- contradict myself a little bit here because the things that I sort of mentioned to you here in the uh, past things, the things that you can do, I'm going to uh, sort of come back on just a little bit. Um, Basically, the spirit-led life is a means of accessing God's grace in our lives. Let's look at some of these following verses here. Uh, You can start turning to 2 Corinthians 3, 14 through 18. Um, we'll look at these verses and see what uh, they have to say. 2 Corinthians 3, 14 through 18. And this is speaking um, about Christ and the Old Testament um, and how people couldn't understand the Bible. And I want to describe one word first. I I forgot my piece of cloth with me, so you're going to have to pretend that what I'm going to hold up now is a piece of cloth. It's supposed to be my veil. When I hold this up, you can still sort of see me, but not real clearly. I can see all of you, but not real clearly. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.14 says, But their minds were hardened, for until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over the heart, but, that's an important but, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into this same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord Jesus has taken this veil away for believers so that we can clearly see the glory of Jesus I want to take about a one minute or two here to read a short part of one of Court's messages this is a part out of his message on the Holy Spirit. And it starts off with John 16:14, in which Jesus says of the Spirit, He will glorify me, 
Now the application of this simple phrase came home to me afresh in a fresh way this week. This is court speaking. On Monday, I was writing out of the order of service, and as I usually do, I was trying to select a scripture and a song that would revolve around the sermon topic. And as I was doing so, it came to my attention that there aren't very many songs specifically about the Holy Spirit, only eight of them in the hymnal, and none that we normally sing. And I got to thinking about why this was. And it occurred to me that some of the reason might be that we have, in many ways, neglected to think and sing about the Holy Spirit as we really should. And if that shoe fits any of us, or all of us as a collective group, we need to wear it. But it also occurred to me that one reason we have so few songs about the Spirit is because we have so many about Jesus. And based on John 16:14, it seems the Holy Spirit would be fairly comfortable with that. You see, the Spirit's primary goal is not to glorify himself, not to inspire songs about himself, but to glorify Jesus and to arouse us to sing about Jesus. He will glorify me, says Jesus. This is why he causes us to be born again so that we might see and embrace Jesus. This is why he convicts us of sin, so that we might bring it to Jesus. This is why he grants us assurance, so that we might thank Jesus. That is why he helps us kill sin, so that the death of Jesus might not have been in vain. This is why he helps us to pray, so that our lives might honor Jesus. This is why he teaches so that we might understand this book, which is all about Jesus. This is why he grants us spiritual gifts, so that we might edify the body of Jesus. This is why he empowers us, so that we might speak boldly of Jesus. And this is why he guides us, that we might see and take every opportunity to honor Jesus. He will glorify me, said Jesus. So you see, we've been talking about leading a spirit-led life tonight. But in some ways, the spirit-led life looks like a lot like one looking in a mirror. But we have all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, the image of Jesus, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. This is what the Spirit's look, uh, work looks like. Let us think about that transforming that Jesus does inside our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Though I gave you a list of things you can do, doing them is only a means of achieving the desired result. You can do all of those things. You can pray four times a day, read your Bible for four hours. Uh, You can fast. You can go to church 27 times a day and yet not accomplish the goal. 
you can spend a lot of time and not accomplish the goal. You cannot, in your own power, live the life that we're called to live, but only through the Spirit. So doing all these things only puts you in a position where the Spirit can work in your life. Remember that doing these things only puts you in a position where the Spirit can move in and through you. They're not an end and a means unto themselves. Going to church is good, but only if it puts you in a position where you're going to see Jesus and worship him. Praying 12 times a day is only good in that it puts you in a position where you feel the Spirit of God moving in your life. But we all, being transformed into the same image from the glory of God, just as from the Lord, the Spirit, but we all being transformed in that same image from glory to glory. So as you are being transformed into the image of Christ, then you can know you are living a Spirit-led life. Then and only then can you know that Jesus resides in our hearts and lives. Then and only then can we know that we are truly Christians, that we belong to him. These things, the things that you can see in the mirror, these changes, this transformation should be observable by others. If nobody can see them, maybe there's nothing there. You should be looking and acting more like Jesus all the time. You may not see it on a day-to-day basis, but over time, your desire should be changing. Colossians 3, 1 through 2. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above not on the things of this earth. Dear Lord, we thank you for tonight. We ask that your spirit would move in and through us, that we can live for you, through you. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit comes down and changes our lives, changes our hearts, changes our minds changes today that we will have a fervency for you, Lord, that we desire you above all else. Give us your grace this evening as we leave this place. Remind us that our lives are not our own. Make us a resting place of your spirit work on us each day that that we would not take up the flesh but that we would take up the spirit and live for you each day in your name we pray amen